A new audit of the FBI reveals that there was substantial rule breaking, that the policies and procedures that the FBI has in place to make sure that things like, you know, the Constitution are followed were sort of being trampled all over the place, which is not a big surprise to me or anybody else who's been following any of the stories we've been covering here. This story comes over from the Washington Times. It's an exclusive to them written by Ryan Loveless. Friday, March 11th says audit reveals FBI rule breaking in probes involving some pretty important topics like politicians, religious groups, and the media, right? Which are very, very important concepts under our constitution because of the type of group, the type of things that are being monitored there, politicians. We have religious groups, right? Religious freedoms and protections, very, very critical concepts. The FBI has to be ultra careful when they're trying to encroach on these potential groups. Here, this article says, FBI agents violated agency rules at least 747 times. In 18 months, while conducting investigations involving politicians, political candidates, religious groups, news media, and others, according to a 2019 FBI audit obtained by the Washington Times. You can see that's the cover of it here. We're going to break it down and go through it. Bit by bit, the story gives us a little bit more background, though, before we take a look at it. It says, a majority of the cases studied, 191 of them, involved domestic public officials. The FBI investigating domestic public officials. Dozens of cases involve religious organizations or their prominent members, and dozens of cases involve domestic political organizations and individuals. Ten cases involve domestic political candidates, and 11 involved news media. Right, All very, very important protected groups. Your political speech, your freedom of speech, your freedom of association, your ability to remain and, and protect your, your expectation of privacy. And in particular, in heightened areas where you've got a heightened expectation of privacy in religious organizations, when you are talking about your sort of personal issues as they relate to the governance, when you are an investigator, somebody who is a part of the news media, right? All of these people are now under scrutiny from the FBI and that scrutiny, do you think that is apolitical or that maybe they're going after one particular subset or one particular type? of political organizations. Here, the audit doesn't reveal the identities of the people or the groups being investigated by the FBI, but we've talked about them here. We probably know where they're leaning on these things. Little more background because we've talked about this guy, Kevin Kleinsmith. Remember, this guy pled guilty, 2020, falsified information to go and get Donald Trump. Wanted to justify surveillance of a former Trump campaign advisor, and he was sentenced to one year of probation because they get special deals. His offense predated the period that was examined in this audit, but maybe some of the failures that we see that have been identified in this audit would have caught a problem in that case. FBI audit that we're going to look at next said 70% of the 747 compliance errors were related to, quote, approvals, notifications, and administrative matters. For example, 35 full investigations and four preliminary investigations did not have the approval of a special agent from the FBI who's in charge. It's just a free-for-all. In other words, FBI agents just go in and start their investigations without any approvals or oversight from the special agent in charge. Well, we're just going to go look into those things. Well, there's a bunch of procedures in place to make sure that you're following due process. You're following the Constitution. It's not a free-for-all, or not supposed to be at the FBI. What am I talking about? Well, the audit came out 
2019 Domestic Investigations and Operation Guide Audit and covers the period of October 21, 2019, looks like to November 1st, 2019. And this is the Operations Guide Audit. Here, it is an inspection division report, an external audit, and it's from the compliance section. Signed off on here by Scott B. Cheney, and it looks like this was dated 1-10-2020. Here, let's go through it. We have the table of contents. We've got some, uh, some interesting bits here. Big appendix section. We're not going to spend much time there. We're going to talk about the conclusion. We'll talk about the scope and the methodology and take a look at some graphs and charts just so we can see what they're talking about. What did the audit involve? What did they find? What was so problematic about it? We're talking about political candidates and religious organizations. Does anybody care about those things or why might there be some additional protocols in place to just make sure that those types of investigations are going uh, appropriately? Here, let's take a look at the scope and the methodology. How was this audit even taking place? It tells us the inspection division and the compliance division conducted an audit and they wanted to assess all of this. They write the audit team reviewed 1,420 randomly selected cases pending during this period of time from January 1, 2018 to 630, 2019. That's that 18 month period that the article was referencing. So we got 1,400 cases, 18 months, the domestic team govern, and all the cases were reviewed according to these authorities. All right, let's get some background, shall we? It tells us that all of these different agencies, they assessed risk associated with SIMS. All right, what are SIMS? SIMS, as we can see here, are sensitive investigative, investigative matters. And this is where you need some sort of additional scrutiny. You say, uh-oh, this is a political candidate. You know, if we start going and tapping his phones and stuff, we're going to get some pretty sensitive information if any of this becomes public. Now we're interfering with the democratic process and it turns into a big thing. So we got to make sure we've got some very special rules in place before we just dive into this stuff. So they go through all of this and uh, they tell us that there was substantial monitoring and guidance taking place. Now, here is the sample, a representative sampling of 1,420 cases were randomly selected out of about 25,000. So it's a pretty small sample. And they give us the file population and they tell us here, the cases audited for instances of non-compliant, they break down. We've got some administrative files, assistance and other uh, agencies, tribal. Okay, this is kind of irrelevant, but we've got 25,000 or so cases. 1,400 of them are selected. And you can see they break down in a number of different sort of uh, buckets here. All right, now, Let's take a look at the actual compliance. Now that we know about the universe of cases of which they reviewed, we can dive in a little bit further and see here. An audit resulted of the 1,420 cases, 997 non-compliance errors. It's two-thirds. 1,400 total. Basically a thousand of them were problematic. Of the 997 non-compliance errors, 747 of those were associated with the SIMS, these special investigative matters that involve political people, religious people, and other very important protected groups. 131 were with different agencies, and you can see how they break down here. This is the area that we're really mostly concerned about. Cases audited for issues, instances of non-compliant and compliance errors, 747 there. Just a huge, huge percentage of the total errors. 
So of the 1420, 747 were associated with SIMS. Here, this gives us some more detail about what they're looking for in a SIMS sort of inquiry. Now, this is a big block of text, but I want to show you sort of all of the different things that seem like they're required when you're dealing with a sensitive investigative matter. And so they explain this to us, and it's pretty interesting. They say, a SIM is an investigative matter involving the activities of a domestic public official or domestic political candidate, often involving corruption or a threat to national security, religious or domestic political organizations or individuals prominent in those organizations, or news media, academic nexus, or any other matter in which the judgment of the official authorizing an investigation should be brought to the attention of the FBI HQ and other DOJ officials, okay? We're dealing with somebody here that is in a high-profile position that might you know, be involved in something that is very catastrophic. So we got to bring this to the attention of somebody. And they've got all these rules in place to make sure that they follow certain procedures. Here's what it looks like. They assessed and pursuant to these rules, they are supposed to go through all these different checklists. Here, whether SIMS is in preliminary, full, or enterprise investigations. Okay, whether they're sort of, is this a company? Is this early? What kind of investigation are we talking about? Documented review of this. Whether it's been approved by somebody else. Whether they notified FBI HQ within 15 days. Whether they identified the SIM category. Whether the SIM is in the case caption. If the field office provided written notice to U.S. Attorney's Office within 30 days. Another 30 days of reading notice. Somebody else has to do something else. FBI Operational HQ, searching for the search warrant. Okay, blah, 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 blah. They reviewed all of these things and they found 747 compliance errors where a lot of that stuff was just not happening. Here's a whole list of it. They reviewed 303 full SIMs. They identified 657 compliance issues. Here, 41 of them didn't document the CDC review prior to the opening of the investigation. 35, no SAC approval prior to the investigation being opened. 40 investigations, they just didn't even notify the FBI HQ within the 15 days as they're required to do. Four investigations didn't identify the SIM category. 216 did not notify the U.S. Attorney's Office within 30 days of opening the investigation. So the Justice Department, the prosecuting agency that's responsible for taking these cases and running with them, you know, the actual lawyers that actually have to prosecute the crimes, 216 of them were not even apparently contacted about. Which means that these these FBI agents, they wouldn't have had a fail-safe, a check that would have come from the U.S. Attorney's Office to say, you're investigating who for what and why now? You can't do that. Stop that right now. And notify them and correct these problems. It's just the FBI, well, I think, can we do this? Can we, we can do this, right? We can, yeah, well, let's go ahead and do it. Should we notify the U.S. attorney? No, don't worry about it. No big deal. 216 times. Then we get a bunch of redactions, so we don't see anything under paragraph G, J, K, or L. 33 investigations in which the FBI HQ did not notify the DOJ. So once it goes back, so if they do notify the FBI headquarters, they don't notify the Department of Justice. So that's just wonderful. 107 investigations, the field office did not state the circumstances for not notifying them. Eight investigations, SIM identified after the opening, did not provide written notice. 13, the rest of these just look like, you know, kind of one-offs. One investigation opened, did not document, did not document, did not have, did not notify. It's a mess though. You can see this is a big 
a pie chart that shows all the different agencies or the different uh, sort of protected classes, the SIM classes, the SIM categories, you've got religious groups with an organization or a prominent member, 12%, 43 cases, domestic political candidate, three cases, 10 of those, domestic political organizations, 32 of those, 9%, domestic public official, wow, whoppers, 54%, 191 of those. The FBI investigating 191 different domestic public officials. Other sensitive matters, we've got 66 of those, 19%. News media organizations, 3% or 11 there. And that's, I'm sure, completely apolitical. And there's no bias or malintent there at all, right? Here's the conclusion that comes over from this audit. says, the INSD has issued a representative sample and blah, blah, blah. Let's, uh, the sample... Cases were reviewed for three categories, 997 instances of noncompliance, 131 to other agencies. Of the 997, 790 or 79% were considered substantial noncompliance. Substantial noncompliance. So almost all of the samples, 997 of the 1420 were problematic. And then 80% of those that were problematic were also substantially problematic, substantial noncompliance. And, you know, to be fair to the FBI, they have been very, very overworked playing a lot of Where's Waldo there, trying to identify all the January 6th defendants, you know, going through their books. And I think, is that him? Is that him? And sharing around uh, the coffee table, making sure they're circling all the insurrectionists who almost wrecked America. And so we can see it kind of has been a free-for-all, according to this audit, the same one that it sort of feels like it's been. And hopefully there is something meaningful that comes out of this. Is anybody in Congress going to do anything about this or is this just going to continue on? I mean, there was a big audit, a lot of details. 80% of them were substantially non-compliant. Is that a passing grade for government work? I don't know. What do you think about it? Let me know your thoughts down in the comment below. Did you get your Capitol building Lego set yet? I have mine back there on the wall. I'll start working on that soon. Rest assured that the FBI is hard at work trying to capture all those insurrectionists. Ah, all right, well, let me know what you think down below. Don't forget to like or subscribe wherever it is you're watching this because I look forward to seeing you on the next one.